0: Welcome in, welcome to the Bite Me podcast, and everybody is present and accounted for despite snakes and alligators, and uh, I guess I'm the only one that didn't didn't have to escape a near-death experience, but uh, other than trying to find a new house in Houston, I guess, and traffic, that would be my near-death experience. I'm John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Knoll across from me, and that is Captain Caleb McCumber uh, across from me as well. And this is the Bite Me podcast, and we really appreciate you guys. You know that by now, especially if you're a member of the uh, Bite Me group page on Facebook. Uh, Just search it. You'll love it. Great discussion. I was scrolling through before we came on the air today to see if there were any other uh, topics of import that uh, we could add. We've got a full slate for you, though. Uh, So just join us on the Bite Me group page. It's easy to find. And, of course, you can subscribe on uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, all uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you can get a podcast, you can scri- subscribe here to the Bite Me podcast. We love you guys. We love your questions, and uh, we're gonna get to uh, all kinds of good stuff. That is, hopefully, we always try to make it as timely as possible. Hopefully, this will be as uh, time sensitive as possible for for what we're experiencing right now. I gotta admit, Caleb, I wanna start with you. Uh, I woke up this morning, took Gibson out about five thirty, and. I kind of felt like, all right, all right. That's, that's not stifling heat. There's a little bit of a something in the air there. I don't know about where you guys are, uh, but you could kind of feel it this week. Uh, just a hint of a cooling temperature. Uh, uh what about you guys, uh, where you are?
1: Man, I came home from Louisiana and, uh, to do some roofs for bite me people. Mm-hmm. I woke up at my house out here in needville and it was like 77 degrees and I was kind of let down. And then the job I was doing is up in Cypress. I got up there at 71 and felt terrific. So, yeah. you know, we just had to move up to where all the Yankees live to get some cooler <laughs> weather. But it, it felt pretty fantastic. It was nice to be dry and cool. And even, even one of the, even there towards the middle of the, my stay in Louisiana last week, it, all of a sudden it was blowing out of the North and dry and, I, I like the cool, but I, I I love the dry. I didn't complain about the the uh, uh, drought all summer because the air was so dry. Whenever yeah. the whenever the sun started getting down, or you sat under a tree or something, it felt great outside. Is mm-hmm. the, the no humidity is what I am loving right now. Whoa, and I don't think Scott's had much humidity either. Have you, Scott?
2: No, mine's humid as hell. It just ain't falling from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> if you but, look
1: on uh, a map right now, that's from line, all the, that's from all the wet ground that's around your properties, making yeah, that humidity. Exactly, it's evaporating.
2: It, it's evaporating. All, if you look on a map you. right now, there's a frontal line that that front that came down brought you all that nice cool air, mm-hmm. stopped at the corner of my property. If you zoom in really close, it's right. It was the, the frontal line, and it's right on the absolute corner of my my place. What Mother is going Nate. on with the rain and, the, am, and the fronts and? I'm on the what? south side of it, and it's humid as hell. If I went to my mailbox out on the main road, I guarantee it's dry out there. <laughs> it feels good over there.
1: <laughs> Mother Nature's is pitching a complete game shutout to Scott.
0: Uh, Will you stop with that? <laughs> you were you only, listening today, weren't you? You're
1: only gonna let me get it out once. I did. Yeah, I had a I had a whole otter thing going on. There. Oh my gosh!
0: For those who don't <laughs> know, my day job on the radio. I, I have a hunch that Scott gave you the heads up on this. Uh, but one of my biggest pet peeves, so Fromber Valdez of the Astros, um, pitched a shutout yesterday and I was reading an Associated Press story. This is the AP. These are the people who created the AP style book on grammar and proper usage and, uh, and all that other stuff. And they said Fromber Valdez pitched a complete game shutout and I about lost my mind because that is the, that is one of my pet peeves. It's the most redundant thing uh, out there. It, 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 it can be a complete game, two-hitter, complete game, three-hitter, but there's no such thing as a complete game shutout. It's a shutout. <laughs> a shutout well, is a complete game.
2: Well, what if he had a shutout through seven and then it got rained? It got the, rained the, out. The, that,
0: that's a game. That's, that's a shutout. Because after seven innings, it's a complete game. So, yeah, it's a shutout. But, uh, Caleb, I saw you working there. You tried to get it by me. Like, I was like, hoping
1: it would go a little bit further than that. Like,
0: nobody says a complete game no-hitter, right? It's either well, a shutout
1: or a complete game. It's can we can we say total. that Dak Pres- Prescott sucked a complete game? Yes, we can say that. <laughs>
2: no, he didn't because he got knocked out before <laughs> the end of the game. <laughs> he was still pretty
0: bad before then. He was still pretty bad before then. You know who almost – um pitched a complete game shutout oh man it makes my skin crawl just to say out say that it is uh the alligator that you ran into uh down in louisiana uh caleb we got to get the whole story here i wish you had a couple of scotches in you to make it uh you know just like you told uh, scott uh when it happened but scott gave us the the cliff's notes version so this was a this was a big girl huh or a
1: big boy discovery channel gator it, it, it was a discovery. I, you know, I, I want to back up here because there's, there's ways that people could think, Oh man, you know, this guy's blowing stuff out of proportion. I grew up on the Nueces river down in South Texas. Our almost everyday routine we were home was kneeboarding or weightboarding on the Nueces river. This mm-hmm. thing is littered with alligators and you didn't have a hair on your butt. If you were kneeboarding or weightboarding, and there was a gator floating and you didn't run it over with, with said board. Mm-hmm. That's just, that, that that's how I grew up. Um, I've been in Oyster Lake and Matagorda wade fishing with like a 10 footer. That's maybe 30 yards to my left. Fishing was good. I didn't, you know, oh, that's a big gator. No big deal. I, I'm not, I'm not overly dramatic about gators. Um, we, I, I, I I've got pictures all over my Facebook where I have gators beside the boat. And I like to flip lures between their eyes and watch them get confused looking for <laughs> it. So, and so whenever I get worked up about a gator, this is, this is, this so is you know, gators deal. and you know, big gators. I I, I know the difference. I, and I know the difference between one that's like, oh, that's a big one. And this big one could be a problem. This was, this, this was, a, could be a problem gator. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm fishing this little pond that's off of a main bay. And it's got this little video cut that that goes into it. And then the pond is maybe a thirty-yard circle, okay. And then the 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 north side of this thirty-yard circle, there's a little there's a little slough that runs up it. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of puttering around in there. And and Steve is Steve has been released. He is allowed to dog again. So Man, Steve I felt is on so the deck. So bad for
0: Steve. He's right. gonna have nightmares. But go ahead and finish.
1: I've had dreams about this damn thing since it <laughs> happened. And I'm up on my tower, and this is this pond is maybe two feet deep. And I see these two fish cruising along on the very bottom. And I flip out in front of one and I catch it. Okay. I catch said gator. I mean, I, I catch said fish and it starts thrashing and I've there's, I don't see a gator anywhere in this water. Right. So You still hadn't seen it. No, no, there, it, it, it's the red October. Okay. This thing is just is down there, but nobody knows where it's at. Mm-hmm. And this fish starts thrashing. And all of a sudden this sucker comes over to the top of the water and we lock eyes. And at first I'm like, oh damn, look a gator, and then I inspected said gator further. This thing's head was, I'd give it 18 inches wide. Man, you know, I don't think it was. I think two foot could be exaggerating, but it was dang close.
2: Yeah, two foot's what you said when
1: you were uh, still shook up. Yeah. Well, I mean, damn, cl- <laughs> you never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was it was the widest gator head I've ever seen, and the thing that that really stuck out to me. <laughs> pun intended was its teeth this it looked like my fingers hanging out the side they always say that you can tell the difference between an alligator and a crocodile because an alligator you can see his teeth mm-hmm. this was damn sure an alligator <laughs> uh, and they 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 were uh, i now the part that i could be making up in my mind i'm not sure i feel like it was even missing an eye like the alligator on Happy gilmore oh yeah like, <laughs> i know i found chubb's hand okay? chubb's
0: hand was a it was a nibble it was like a,
1: a little nugget yeah. So but so this thing it picks up and it and and and, and we lot and this is like a matter of maybe three seconds. And then it just kicks it in gear straight towards me. And When it came out of the water it's maybe twenty yards away, something like that. And so like it's, one or two flips of the tail, it was there. Uh you know, I wasn't counting tail flips at the moment, <laughs> but it wouldn't have taken much. <laughs> and so I get the redfish up on the top of the water, and that's whenever this thing kicks in gear, and here it comes. And uh, it seemed like 15 minutes, but I think it's a couple of seconds to me trying to figure out how to lose this fish. And this mm-hmm. is, you're never going to lose a fish when you want to lose it. And meanwhile, Steve's running around the boat. Mean, Steve is down on the deck and Steve mm-hmm. hears a fish flopping or fish slashing. So he's getting ready to hand out redfish kisses, right? Mm-hmm. And I get this fish to the top and here comes the gator. And at this point, he's closed it to about 10 yards. And so in my mind, what I should do is I should boat flip this fish. And this fish is like, 12 pounds something like that and i boat flip this sucker like a four pounder (laughs) in the boat well while it's in the air like coming to the boat the gator pursues said fish in air jeez and when the gator comes down he didn't it it ain't like it ain't like an otter where like grab the side of your boat but when it comes down the boat hits between his front leg and his body and now gator is hanging on boat jeez and, and so my tower, I think my tower on my boat is six foot or seven foot. Mm-hmm. And I touched one step coming off of it and I hit in the bottom of the boat. And when I hit, I grabbed Steve and I threw him at my mid tower and yeah. he went in the mid tower. And it, I guess it, it, it well, th- I don't know who it started more me, the gator or the dog. Mm-hmm. But Whenever I hit in the middle of the boat, the gator does like this, this, you know, get away from whatever this was. Yeah. And the alarming thing is, is this gator, which had to be at least be 28 feet long. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> when it went back in the water, I'm in a 30-yard circle that's two-foot deep, right? Mm-hmm. When it went back in the water, it's like it never happened. There, I couldn't, there was not a big wake. There wasn't a big mud. I couldn't figure out where this damn thing was. Jeez. I got me a lot of there. Yeah, and so we've all seen the videos of the bird standing on top of the bulkhead, and the gator comes, like, way out of the water and grabs the bird. Mm-hmm. And so now I've got a problem. There's a gator around this boat somewhere and i've got to figure out how to walk down the edge of my boat to yeah without release, getting eaten yeah to release fish all this stuff and so finally i i, I got the fish off. i took some pictures or some i didn't put it on facebook did i scott i've got pictures of this redfish and he's got holes in the top of his head and now this is like a 32 inch long redfish yeah. he's got holes in the top in the top of his head and he's got more holes down by his butthole like this is, it, 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 it snapped him somehow in the air yeah. but then lost him and then me jumping down startled started it and everything. And so I, I, I go climb back up on the boat and I'm sitting on the mid tower and I'm, now I'm starting to process everything that happened. Yeah. And so naturally I call Scott and I, or no, I text Scott. I said, call me a speakerphone on your customers will like this. Yeah. And so Scott calls me and says, I have juveniles on the boat. So we substitute four letter words for blue, which is <laughs> good, also good a four letter word. Good call, Scott. That's a good pickup <laughs> right there. First so thing I told, I said to him. Yeah. I told Scott, I said, every time I say blue, you replace it with the, the other four letter word that makes that like I can actually convey the severity yeah. of the situation. With yeah. um, but I, I picked up and I moved, I think 19 miles. I'm like, nah. And I'm telling you, I made a big change. I, I have not, we, I went back to that pond three more times where I had people with me. Mm-hmm. I'm like you've got to see this because at this point I sound like the guy I sound like Randy Quaid like uh, on Independence Day you know that I got abducted by aliens and everybody's like yeah okay whatever yeah and I'm t- I can't adequately explain the size of this creature that not only was that dang big but I had I'd say a solid four foot of him in the damn boat golly and we went back never never found him again um it's a, it was a tree shaker you know that that story is better
0: without video and pictures. Uh, it's one of those like 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 my my story in in Sabine, you know, with those old elk and all that stuff that nobody ever believes. I'm like, okay, I know what I saw. I had pictures. I still have them somewhere. Now that we're moving, I'm gonna go through all my pictures upstairs and see if
1: I can find those old uh, Kodak throwaway camera pictures of of that. So I've missed two opportunities then the 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 gator video, which I usually always have my GoPro stuff. But we're getting so close to the World Series and all that. I'm trying to not publish much that helps yeah. anybody else uh that, that could be trying to figure out what we're up to um whether what we're up to is a good idea or not i like yeah. to keep it to myself and but then uh the next day i've got i've got uh my my buddy is on the front tower and i'm standing on my mid my mid tower right and this redfish comes cruising down the right side of the boat and it's five feet from him and he flips his lure out of it and lands at about six feet i mean six inches in front of the fish Well, while his lure is in the air i see this happening and my lure passes his and lands three feet in front of the fish and i snake the fish out from in front of him (laughs) so i was like the gator would have got the gator would have been a multi-million view video like on facebook or something yeah but i would have loved to made a make a video where it's me like helping a customer like okay reel back in cast again okay try again and then you know caleb is a guide and then me just completely yoinking a fish out in front of my buddy and like me as a friend
0: There is a difference. So what's going on with the bite me crew here, man? I'm afraid to leave the house. Like, like I'm serious. Like, uh, you know, Scott's getting, uh, bit by uh cotton You're getting attacked by whatever, 14 foot gators,
1: 24,
0: 24 foot gators. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm afraid, you know, I'm going to get what, what's out there for me right now, dude, I gotta, I gotta be careful here.
1: Bad, bad grammar.
0: God. That's what's getting me bad grammar and usage is killing me. That's right. Yeah. That was a, that was a complete game shut out by the alligator. Uh, Scott, I know we've all had those, those gator stories, but the reason I knew it was like legit monster is because we've all seen gators. We've all seen big gators. I think I told the story here once about a year ago when I was snaking through uh, I think it's called four way or something like that. in Sabine in one of these back little channels And I made a turn. and I just heard
2: whoosh, whoosh, whoosh.
0: Like, I didn't know what it was. And it was a gator, like, swinging its tail, swiping its tail at me. It had babies. So it was just trying to shoo me away or scare me or whatever. Scared the hell out of it. So we've all seen big gators. So so when when Caleb says that's a big gator, Scott, that was a big gator.
1: I've been bow fishing on the Trinity River. That is where the record alligator gar comes from. And the ranchers there feed their dead cattle to these gators. These are massive over there. And on this thing right here, it was Lake Placid. It was Lake Placid. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott.
2: Yeah. That boy. <laughs> that boy. That's about all I you can say. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had had a lot of them. Uh, we were down in the Everglades, took the kids down there, and I think Aaron was about maybe 11, 12. We run out on a buddy of mine's boat he's a guide down there and he, he runs you way into the Everglades and then you dump out a bunch of kayaks and go paddling around and catch snook and tarpon out of the Everglades mm-hmm. and you go up these little bitty creeks where the boats don't really go it's a really neat very cool trip and uh, we're pulled up out there in this open little lake and there's you know, all these little creeks around it and he's He's pointing out. He said, "Okay, we're going to go in that creek over there, you know." And pointing which way we're all going to go, and we're putting mm-hmm. the kayaks in the water, and everybody's getting their rods and reels ready. And Aaron's just standing there in the boat. She's usually the first one in the kayak. She's ready yeah. to go. She's standing there in the boat, and I look at her. And she goes, "All of y'all, y'all do see those gators over there, right?" <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> p- point of order, point of order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Chuck's like, "Yeah, yeah, they're they're always there." We'll just go right by them. No problem. She she did not leave my the tail end of my kayak. I, I mean, wouldn't have gotten like, in. I she was, like, been. bumping me. Well, she was going to get left behind by herself. So Yeah, that too.
0: Yeah, that too. And then oh, Randy was man. sitting
2: in there in the creek while we were fishing. She took a break. And she's just hanging out, looking, watching the birds. And, like, Caleb was talking about a, a gator coming up and eating a bird off a mm-hmm. of limb. Did it right next to her kayak. She her hates green. birds. She wow.
0: hates birds.
2: No, that was it. Was Randy that did that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. She came. She had a wake coming behind her kayak as she was paddling oh, up to me. After Lord that. Almighty! <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank
0: you at all. um All right, so we got we do have some fishing topics to get to, but I knew our listeners would would really enjoy that. So I thought, okay, this is not from a listener. Um, I thought that would be a good opportunity to just real quick go through some of the things of a worst case scenario when you're when you're out and about. Scott has had a really good story on how they treated your um, stingray uh, when you got snagged by, by a stingray, how they kept it warm and some of the things you do. I wanted you to go over that. Like, let's talk about real quick stingray. Um, you know, uh, when there is a, a, a severe wound, let, let's say there would be um, uh, you know, I'm not talking about a 28 foot, 24 foot, whatever it is gator, but let's say you get, you get snagged by something, you get a big gash in your hand. Maybe you do get a gator, uh, a little shark bite, uh, whatever. We've never talked about like how to get in. Uh, obviously the main thing is to call uh, call for help. Scott, you were in law enforcement. You've been hit by a stingray. Let's say that that's not the best uh, option or you're trying to get back. What are some of the things that our listeners need to know about those worst case scenario moments
2: remain calm I mean panic's what gets you mm-hmm. and uh you just gotta you know keep your head about you and uh take some deep breaths if you need to I mean when I got hit by the stingray it people ask me you know was what it what'd that feel like is you ever and we've all done it we've all touched electricity and yeah. you feel it in your elbow when you touch it with your hand or you feel it in your shoulder, you know, it's like it hits the joints. Mm -hmm. I felt that stingray up in my hip. I mean, it was, it just hit me in the foot. Mm -hmm. Same foot as the uh, snake. Oh, and uh, lucky you. Yeah. Lucky the left foot. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, just, you got to calm yourself down. Take some deep breaths. uh, Let whoever you're with know, you know, Hey, I'm hit. You know, I got, I'm hit with a stingray and start the process you know get get people moving um i was wading in the water of course when i got hit and they brought a boat over to me our boat was like three or four hundred yards from us and another boat just happened to be floating by and they picked me up took us back to our boat the only thing that works on steam ray is heat don't put ice on it i
0: wanted you to tell that story about because you didn't have a heat pad on the boat but how you this will
2: help our listeners hopefully not but it could well the the Exhaust water coming out of your motor is hot and it's not the cleanest, but it's, it's hot. And we, we took, I don't know if it was two or three people took shirts off and just one guy would hold, hold the shirt under the exhaust water coming out of the back of the motor and get, get it warm, you know, get that warm water coming out and hand it over to me and I'd, I'd put it on the wound and it was instant relief. I mean, just, it was excruciating pain. And then that that little bit of warmth made it tolerable. It didn't make it go away by any means, but it did make yeah. it tolerable. Yeah. And then we'd switch out. You know, he'd hand me another one, hand me another one, and we we're just constantly switching out two or three shirts, and uh, that got me back to the dock. Um, once there, we you know, we we're we had a house rental there. There's no there's no doctor down there. There's nothing. You know, about you're about, about, I what's in Port coming you know, we're in Port Mansfield. There ain't nothing down there. Yeah. No, there's no medical help going to be anywhere close. Well, it was our last day, so the guys were packing up. And I sat on the <laughs> – I sat up on the uh, counter and took a razor blade and opened up the the hole with a razor blade. And I propped myself up on the counter with the kitchen – by the kitchen sink mm-hmm. and used the cabinets in case I passed out, <laughs> the upper cabinets. <laughs> I was leaning into those. Yeah. And – opened up that little hole a little bit more and used some tweezers and pulled out because i could feel those shards you know when you get a splinter in your foot and you walk on it you can feel that constant and i was just i just wanted to get them all out of there so i got got those out we wrapped it all cleaned it really good wrapped it up and headed back to houston before we left there's a little convenience store there and pulled up and this old man was in there and i come hobbling in to get me a dr pepper and he says stingray I said yes, sir. And he goes, "Yep, looks like it." He said, Come here. And he took me to the back and he got a mop bucket, <laughs> this old, old mop bucket. And he starts running pure hot water into it. And he takes a thing of Clorox and he dumps a quart of Clorox into this hot water. He says, "Put your foot in there." <laughs> I don't I said, want to. No, I wanted to do. It. <laughs> I didn't care. Yeah, you know, I mean. This old man, he was very, very sure of himself. And that kind of helped out, I guess. He said, put your foot in there. It's going to be hot. And I put my foot in there with instant relief. Boy, I mean, it felt so much better. We rode back, stopped two or three times, changed my water out on the way back. And uh, I went to the doctor the next day. And uh, he said, well, when did you get hit? And I told him, he said, no, I mean, I said, yesterday. He said, no, what time? So, I don't know, it was about 30, 9 o'clock, and it was like noon by the time I got to the doctor. He said, okay, you're in the clear. I said, um, Excuse me? He says, well, if it was the bad bacteria, you'd be in the hospital by now or dead. Yeah. like, ah, well, that's, that's lovely.
0: That's a good you. thought. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. He said,
2: so how, how did you treat it? What did you do? You know, what have you done so far? I told him about the old man in the Clorox, and yeah. he just shook his head. And he said, you know, that probably helped. He said, as a medical professional, I cannot recommend that anyone do the Clorox, but that's probably what saved you from having any bacterial problems. Yeah. So he, he, after that, I started carrying a quart thing of Clorox in the boat.
0: Well, ever since you told that story to me the first time, I'm like, yeah, I would do that. I mean, (laughs) I would absolutely do that. Caleb, I don't know. You've never really told me about this. Have you ever had any clients or friends on your boat with a severe wound other than like, like, like what, uh, what he just helped us with on, on the, the Stingrays. Uh, and and uh, like I said, we all know the first thing you do is call for help and, and get the Coast Guard out there, get whomever out there to help you, uh, Game Warden. But short, you know, absent of that, what are some of the things that our listeners need to know?
1: No, I'm, I'm very safe on my boat. You really are. I know we give you a hard time, yeah. but you really are. I, I really haven't had much. Um, I had a guy that was uh, one of like serious blood thinners with me begging him to leave the the hardhead alone and him telling me that he is very experienced with this. He's poked himself with a hardhead and I thought he's going to bleed to death. It looked like we pictured a pig on our boat. Oh, um, really? It was, yeah. Well, that, that morning as I'm, I'm, I'm picked him up from a house. They were staying in and we're about to leave the dock and his wife comes running out and she hands me this little brown bottle. And I was like, well, what's this? She said, well, it's nitroglycerin. I said, what do I do with that? She said, "Well, he has major heart surgery next week, so if he falls out, put one of these under his tongue." Jesus. And I uh, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I've had the exact same thing. Have uh, you really? No. I told her. I said, "You know, best case scenario, it takes a helicopter forty-five minutes to get here, right?" Yeah. Yeah, but oh, he went fishing, and he the a hardhead about took him out. Man. I keep a I I keep a pretty extensive first aid kit on the boat. Um, I've got iodine and and bleach and swat or what do you call it gauze and all kinds of stuff like that. I'm prepared, but, um, I don't, I don't, I haven't had a lot. The one thing I can hundred percent recommend because my idiot dog ate a top water the other night. Um, not Steve, the smart one, Duke, the dumb one. Yeah. And, uh, it, 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 it cost me $212, 200 for the vet and 12 for the top water. But, uh, I got at Lowe's, they sell these like little eight or 10 inch. Um, they look like bolt cutters, but they're tiny and they will they will cut a hook they will cut anything that you need cut out of you uh and and you can do it one-handed snap it's gone and i had to i had to cut all kinds of all the sharp stuff Uh, he had a treble hook inside and one hook in his tongue two in his cheek and one in his leg Mm -hmm. and uh that it got it out of that so i think that everybody should have some of those on the boat i
0: have these on my boat they're they're actually made uh uh, for that, the the ten and a half inch looked it up as you were talking, and I keep these on my boat uh, hook cutter, and and it's 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 long and thin, and it works like a champ. And they've come in handy with Gibson, no fault of his own of his own. He wasn't uh, doing anything dumb. Uh, I was changing uh, some some hooks out, and he just happened to to like jump off of uh, the stairs and 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 hit it. And I the whole thing lasted like less than a minute. Uh, he got hooked and it was, uh, it was a, a, one of those big circle hook things. I reached into the, my toolbox on my boat, got those out, cut them. And I know they have them uh, with our friends over at Fishing Tackle Unlimited as well. Uh, so I would recommend that, but cut them, pull the hook out. Boom. I mean, uh, as good as gold, just like
2: that. Yeah, And also go ahead and do a Google search and figure out how to safely remove a hook, you know, there's videos all over the place we could try to explain it here it doesn't it doesn't translate well without mm-hmm. a video but there's there are methods to get a hook out that uh, that are out there yeah. and pretty simple as as long as it's i mean if it gets past the barb that's when you got to cut it and push it through yeah there are some there's a way if it's barely past the barb you can get it out with a, a piece of fishing line and pull backwards and push down pull backwards and it'll it'll pop right out. Yeah. Uh, there's one one guy on there that I know fairly well. He stuck a hook in himself to do a video. What? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm I don't don't all about content, a, but no thanks. Yeah, that's I don't like count those, him among my smartest friends. Well, that's like <laughs> those cops
0: that get tasered, you know, for so they can experience it. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you do that to Scott? I'm gonna stand over here and see how Scott ha- handles it. All right.
1: He'd probably join a Facebook group. What do you do if you get tasered? Yeah i'm 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 laying in my bunk bed in louisiana whatever night he got bit by a snake and our buddy lowry sends me a screenshot that says uh scott Knoll, please accept scott Knoll active bite to some snake bite group and oh, uh, he, no. he screenshotted it and sent it to me he said hey you need to check on scott and camille i said i really don't feel like scott's the type to get bit by a snake and then join a facebook group over it and <laughs> danged if it wasn't scott Knoll. I had a 45
2: minute drive to the hospital. What else was I going to do? You know, there
0: might be some hanging good out information. The
2: seat, you
1: know. Yeah. S- Scott's the only guy I know that is so calm that he gets bored on the way to the hospital with the snake bite with the snake bite. <laughs> yeah, I, like, wouldn't I, have, have I, I wouldn't have, have that I not I wouldn't have that problem. I, every
0: time we get we get to the the topic like this, I remember my brother-in-law uh, and he's he's a subscriber uh, to to the podcast. Got a hook in the back of his head. All right walks into the hospital because the barb was all the way in right clean in the back of the head the hook got in there got off the boat went to the hospital because he he couldn't do it and and whomever was with him couldn't couldn't do it so he walks into the hospital holding the rod and the reel and the the line was still hooked to that and he (laughs) walks into the emergency room and the doctor looks at it and just like clips the line like why couldn't you do that on the boat he walked in with the rod and the line and everything, and the hook still stuck in the back. <laughs> the first thing the doctor does is just like, you idiot.
3: I'm just cussing. Cut the line.
2: <laughs>
0: right where the, oh, I guess I could have done that on the boat. <laughs> That's what I
2: mean by keeping your head. You know, calm down, take a deep breath, assess the situation, figure out what you got going walking on. Walking
0: into the hospital with his rod and a hook in the back of his head. Oh my goodness!
2: All right, let's get to uh, let's get to some fishing here. All right, uh, one more thing. Go on ahead. That. Uh Those blood clotting little uh, pouches—it's got the powder in it. Oh yeah, uh, those are awesome to have on the boat, it, especially if you're taking blood thinners, you're you're on heart medications, and what have you. Have some of that. Have that handy, and you you can shove that into an open wound, and it'll clot it right up quick. Dude, I
0: I'm so glad you said that. I've had one of those on my boat or in my pack. Uh, ever since after 9 11 we went to i I went to cover the olympics in greece and obviously in the mediterranean there was a lot of things we took some training and they showed us some of these videos of how it works i mean those it's like a clay almost and at least the one i they showed me and they, they had us take with us to greece and you can put that on there and it's it's done that's it it stops bleeding I mean, it, yep. it, it, it's amazing. All right. So let's get to uh, some, some other fishing topics here. Uh, first of all, Scott, I, we talked about some of the cooler weather, maybe not on your exact property, but I know it's around there and it will get there soon. Um, one of the questions we had is, ha- have, have we seen any signs of transition in the bays? We've talked about it the last week or two. Dean talked about it a little bit last week are there signs? I mean, uh, you know, from, from what you've seen, from what your buddies, uh, down in Port O'Connor, what is, is there differences in the Bay right now from, from what we've seen over the summer?
2: Most of what I've been hearing is on the beachfront, the uh, mullet run, the, the rain minnows, all that, all the bait fish are on the move. You know, that's typically what starts going on. They, they there's a big bait fish migration and, uh, that's that's been what's going on here lately. Uh, you've seen some videos of the Bull Reds at the Freeport Jetties, that, that video went viral. Uh but jacks, tarpon, sharks, they're all feasting right there in the in the surf right now. Mullet and like I said, the rain meadows. It's it's a common thing every year. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the the first sign for me. That uh, things are fixing to kick off in the bay.
0: Uh, what about you, Caleb? What's going on? Are you starting to see some more action, so to speak, that would be telling you we're in transition a little bit or starting it?
1: Yeah, the pogies uh, and shrimp are starting to be more prevalent. Uh, I got into a huge wad of tarpon and shark and whatnot that were close to the close to the the beachfront. The marshes are starting to not only show more shrimp, but uh, according to my GPS, that about eighty three, eighty four degrees in the water. So. Hmm. Things are, things are starting to cool down. You're starting to see fish school up. You're starting to see the smaller bait, uh, show up. It, it, we're getting close. We're getting close. It's, it's pretty exciting stuff.
0: So is anything changing right now? You're just still just sort of uh, reading, engaging on the
1: bait. No, you can actually catch a dang fish now. So it's it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> if we're talking about changes. <laughs> Wait a minute! Uh, just,
0: I need to get out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. The fish are You know, they're just starting to group up and do what they're supposed to do. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the bay and the, and the, in the, in the marsh everywhere they're, They're, they're getting ready. They're getting ready for a good time. Just like we are Uh,
0: speaking of grouping up, this is another one that I've been meaning to get to for a couple of times uh, for a couple of weeks, Scott uh, and Caleb, but, but Scott, you were talking about that picture on uh, the bite me group page of all those boats that one of our listeners took lined up at a particular spot uh, on the jetties. And you actually brought something up when we were not on the air that I, I, I could get down with, you know, but when I first saw that picture and I thought it would be a good question to ask you guys, I don't, I don't know. It would have to be pretty epic for me to like just nose my boat in the midst of all that. Like, like, like basically, we're talking about like what is really fun for you when you're fishing. Uh, if that were on a bay and there were that many boats, I would get so far away from that. It's not even funny. To me, that's not fun. But you were saying in that particular spot, it's a whole different kind of fun that we would all want to be a part of.
2: I mean, it can be. Uh, on the weekends, it's getting to the point of being ridiculous. Uh, boats are running into each other. It's, it, it's getting stupid. Uh, but weekdays when there's not as many people around and now that we've got football going on and got hunting season and all that, it's you know everybody's going to slow down on it. If you've got you know five or ten boats around it, it's very fishable. And it is a lot of fun. Uh, you're talking about, you know, thirty pound bull reds coming out of the water chasing foot, foot and a half long bait fish. Mm-hmm. You know, the the uh, cutlass fish, ribbon fish, and you got jacks, you got sharks, and it's just mayhem. Uh, it is is complete and utter chaos. Yeah. And when they come up to the top, there's bait fish flying everywhere. There's pelicans diving. There's seagulls. There's terns uh i mean it's national geographic kind of stuff mm-hmm. and it only lasts for Well, it used to last for minutes now it lasts for less than a minute and they go mm-hmm. back down but when it's right and there's not as many boats around they'll come up like that and they'll stay up i've ha- i've had them stay up 4 5 6 minutes mm. and everybody on the boats hooked up and having a blast and you can catch them on top waters you can catch them on fly you, can, you know there's a lot of different ways to go about it so it It can be a lot of fun. it's a very exciting fishing uh but when it gets when it starts getting too popular, then it's not near as much fun yeah I'll still make a I'll make a swing by there most mornings if we're going out tarpon fishing uh, I'll make a swing through there and just see if they're up, see if they're active, and if they are, it's a good warm up you know tarpon are hard to see until the sun gets up real really yeah. good. Yeah. And so first thing in the morning, it's not, you know, you to kill about 30 minutes or an hour until the sun gets up high enough where I can start seeing my fish. It's a great spot, you know, and kind of gets everybody juiced up. And you can, cause like I've said, in many times, tarpon fishing can be damn boring. if You know, when we're out there hunting them and looking for them, not mm-hmm. finding a whole lot of them. So you've got some guys that they've already caught two or three bulls. They've got a couple
0: jacks. They're feeling all right.
2: They they, they, yeah. they got that content, you know? Right. Yeah, it, it's a good way to start the day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of days I'd, I'll pull up out there and just kind of hang off the outside and and hope maybe a school pops up away from the big crowd.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Caleb, it does beg the question, like, like he just defined that. But like if I'm seeing that many boats, let me just let me put it this way. Define fun. I mean, not with clients like you're out with buddies. You know, we're out what is a fun day fishing? Because when I get into that many boats and it's not something epic, like what Scott was describing, I just don't want any part of it. that. That's not the fun part of fishing for me.
1: How many bikinis are on these boats and <laughs> preferably brightly colored in orange or yellow? You know, we tend to make one
0: more pass by there. Uh, I don't know about you just to, just to see what the bait's doing, so to speak.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> And by uh, the way, they are trolling. The, the, hey, we were, we were, we were coming back. Uh, it was a tournament day coming back from a uh, Calcasieu headed to Sabine. And there was like this party boat beside us with fluorescent bikinis. And I, I, had, I, had, I had to really make a decision whether to keep hammering on it and make it to weigh in or just slow down and wave at the ladies. And? I, I slowed down and waved to the ladies. And until Daniel in? told me not to. But I did a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> on that topic, uh, you know, they, they do the poker runs. You know, yeah, the big big cigar boats, and they they run. They used to do one from Galveston down to Freeport and back. I was always fishing around Greens, yeah, in Galveston, that little cut there, and then going up into Greens Marsh. I'd be out in West Bay some. I had these two old fellas on the boat one day. They were they were in their seventies, maybe eighties, and we were fly fishing on the in the bay. And I turned to go back up into the into that cut and I saw one of those cigar boats go by. I'd already heard one or two, so I knew they were coming. Yeah. So you pull up there and you look a long ways, you know, make sure that they're not coming before you go across the intercoastal there. Well sure enough, here comes two or three of them hooking them. Topless girls on the front. <laughs> and they're these boats are flying down through there. Yeah. And these old men just sat there and watched them go by, watched them go by, watched them go by and he, I started going through and he goes, Hold on, there's another one coming. <laughs> <laughs> I looked down there, and that thing was about a, a good mile, mile and a half. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> back, back towards the causeway, he's barely making that turn there. You know, what
1: are you
0: thinking, why? Wait, we, we can wait on those fish. So Dude, I think we re- need to
1: wait before we go across there. You yeah, know, they uh, might run us over. Uh, uh, the, the the one of the reasons I know Matagorda like I do is my college roommate had a house on the river right there north of town, and uh, we were out messing around, and the, we had. I think these girls had come with us from college or we had met them there in town or something. We didn't really know them, but they did, wanted to go kneeboarding and they were fairly attractive. And so, by golly, we were going kneeboarding and we went up the river a little ways. And there's these two old fellas sitting on a dock fishing. <laughs> and, um, you know, we kneeboard a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, I bet I bet this aggravating these guys that were running back and forth while they're on the other side of the river fishing. So I talked the girls into switching swimsuits with me now i had to to take one for the team and wear a bikini but there was another chick out there and just a pair of swimming shorts kneeboarding and those old fellas didn't leave that dock all afternoon they didn't care how many wakes we threw it was that they really appreciated it i think it was our kneeboarding skills
0: it's all perspective i don't know how we got here from uh,
1: defining what fun fishing is but uh and this is why john stops us this is why john stops us scott (laughs) i (laughs) am all for it fun fishing to me is doing something different um uh, you know, I, I I like going out with my buddies and and red fishing and all that. And if the water's clear and I can sight cast, I'm gonna have fun every every single time. I like doing stuff. I like doing different things though. I like I like it when the surf gets clear. I don't. I couldn't care less about trolling down the first or second gut and throwing top waters for trout. I couldn't care less about catching a bunch of trout. I couldn't. I really couldn't even care less about catching a bunch of redfish in the surf. But whenever you get those days when the water's clear. And you can go out there and you can see kingfish on bottom. You can see Dorado swimming, or you can see, you know, jacks or whatever. Um, heck, I, I was looking at a video the other day that me and Robert have where we're out in the surf with the Snoopy rods and we had put 20-pound braid on them and we're catching <laughs> jacks on the Snoopy rods. I like going and doing something different, something goofy that Mother Nature has presented an opportunity to me at least to go try and play with. To me, that's fun fishing. It's it's getting out of the ordinary and doing something. That is completely different. And honestly, a lot of times opens your eyes to other ways of catching the fish that you normally target. Scott, that last part
0: that he just talked about is, is I think what we're all looking for. Just Like, let's try this. We just found
2: something new, but, but you define it for me. For me the, the fun fishing is going to other places. Yeah. You know, not the same old, you know, I mean, I guide here. You yeah. Know, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, and I you know it. Out, all my days off, I still go out. I still kind of go out and mess with, and the tarpon of course you know they live in my brain so I have to go look for those and that's a fun day for me uh grabbing the fly rod and going and trying to catch something stupid big mm-hmm. on a fly rod uh going and catching a 30 pound jack on the fly rod uh just oddball stuff like he's talking about but also making the trip and going to Florida you know go over there and go catch some snook go you know I get to go over there and fish with the DOA guys uh we've done it. We've gone to the Carolinas and we were red fishing. We were sight casting the reds and doing the same thing we do here, but it was a totally different thing because they had five foot tides and it was it was so different for me. i, I would have been stuck in that marsh bad. Yeah because I was I was in there having fun catching fish and the guy I was with us water would have gone here. out and you're done. We got to get out of here. And oh, I'm like, No, no, I mean this is good. And he says, No, the water's leaving, so we gotta go yeah and i'm thinking man we're in three feet of water what are you talking about well we we left and we sat on the outside of that and caught the fish that were leaving the marsh and within two hours that little creek we were in was dry yeah it's, it's stuff like that just getting to experience uh the everglades the keys uh bellies going down there and doing the bonefish thing something that's totally different and like caleb said you learn a lot too mm-hmm. uh, you know, i taught a bunch of guys up in uh, canada how to throw paddle tails on walleye uh, they were they were stuck on their their stupid little floating jig things and all that yeah. and that's the only thing you can catch them on we weren't catching them and i just dug around my bike found my little paddle tail doas and started throwing those i started hammering the walleye they're all mm-hmm. paddling over we were in kayaks and they were paddling over going hey man what, what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a lot better than we are age-old question hey what do you got yeah. on there
0: what do you got so, on there
2: we can all learn from somebody that fishes a totally different area, even different species. The, the, my favorite
0: thing by far is if I'm fishing and I see a bunch of boats, two or three boats in in our case, you know, at a particular popular spot. And I'm like, I don't want to go in there, but I think because if they're catching fish there, maybe I'll try here and the tide's going to be the same. All the things we talk about on the podcast, Caleb, I mean, you know, like, okay, find another place similar to that, figure it out. And then when I go there and boom, it works. Like if, when you figure out option B, when everybody's at option A and you're all by yourself, you know, just you and your son, in my case, or sons or friends or whatever, it's like, man, look at us. We're out, we're out here. All those guys are doing their deal on the popular spot. We figured it out and we're catching fish. To me,
1: that is a great day. Hey, Hey Scott, don't tell John, I said this. But he has never once seen my boat and said, eh, "I'm gonna go somewhere else." Uh, have I not,
0: Yo, You're usually waving. You're waving me in. You're
1: usually waving me in. Oh, that's the same thing as the game warden when he's waving at you. No, oh, you're saying
0: just go. Yeah, <laughs> just go. Keep going. Keep going. Usually waving me in. I no, couldn't I, pass.
1: I couldn't pass that. For well. the
0: record, I am very particular about that. I never go to see unless I am invited. Um, but uh, no, that that's. And by the way, if you're waving me in, I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fish where <laughs> you are. I'm, I might be bumping up against your boat for all I know. I uh, like a
1: Conversation Get you a fluorescent bikini. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Don't be surprised. I'll take the picture. <laughs> no,
2: don't,
0: don't be
1: surprised.
2: <laughs> yeah. When you were saying that moving on to another place, one of the fun things that I do is I'll just go to a, pick a shoreline. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, just where there's no boats, nobody around, hardly ever see anybody fishing there, and just pull up there, step out with my fly rod, and, and just go walking. Yeah, and just see what's there. See, what, you know, and I'll invariably I'll pick up a few redfish on a fly rod, mm-hmm. and it's a totally different place, some place that I wouldn't normally stop. It's a high you know, man, and just get out and go see what's there. It's a
0: invariably. high invariably until uh until caleb comes in and starts pot licking but um <laughs> i'm just i'm just keeping the motor warm in case <laughs> gets bit by a, by a stingray yeah exactly you gotta put the t-shirt on the hot water hey i want to ask you guys about uh, a ripping tide versus uh a slack tide and, and how you fish this is one of our listeners but let, let, let's get this going we we've talked we get questions on the podcast from listeners uh, talking about, hey man, what's that lubricant you guys have been talking about that you always use? I swear by it. I've got some on my truck. I've got some on my boat. I've got some in my toolbox. Uh, the, the Bow Shield T9. It's it's just it's just different. And I won't get into too much details, but I I, I got to talk um, uh, with Matt decock at uh, at Bow Shield. So I recorded a little bit of it. I'm going to put it right here so you guys can listen and, and hear what I'm talking about. Then we'll get back and talking about those tides. A listener listening to the podcast came up to me and, and, and saw, saw that I had the, the Bow Shield T9 on my dash there. That was the one I used for my reels and such. And then I have the big can uh, for my boat. And he said, so what all do you put that on? Cause I have a question. I said, what's your question? He says, I always get um, the hardware, some of the, the other metal pieces on his boat and trailer rustier on one side of the boat more than the other. And he says, why is that? My amateur opinion was there's some, it's always gets a little rustier. You have to lubricate a little more on the side on which the batteries are on your boat. Number one, welcome. Number two, is that correct? What else can you add?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So a battery is, uh, the number one problem where people have corrosion. Um, a lot of that is a chemical reaction due to hydrogen gas building pressure Um, And releasing from the battery. So you get all that white corrosion and stuff like that. So for one foremost, definitely want to lubricate your battery terminals uh, with Shield T9. And really all the surrounding areas around your battery, because there's this moisture down where your batteries are contained by the motor or up underneath the seat or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So you definitely want to spray your battery down. Um, And then also some, you know, key areas to uh, lubricate and protect from rust is... Um, steering links, um, any electrical panels, um, your through-haul uh, exhaust fittings. If you're an outboard or inboard, you can spray the whole motor down. Um, you definitely want to do it when it's not running. <laughs> um, but right after you're done running it, you let it cool down for a little bit. That's a good time to you know spray the whole motor down. Below deck, you, you can recoat it every three to four months. Um, above deck, uh, you're exposed to more moisture, rain, and sun. So you want to apply that a little more frequently you know maybe once a month and you can do that on your your locks your latches your cleats a lot of cleats nowadays that's where uh, i I do a lot
0: it comes up a lot yeah
3: yeah yeah so a lot of cleats fold and stuff like that um so those are all really good key areas to definitely um you know keep stuff lubricated but also protect it from you know rust corrosion from salt water
0: what else now i use it on my trailer Uh, a lot of times i keep my trailer stagnant Uh, i have a little. uh, Salem trailer down on East Matagorda Bay in Sargent. And I don't move it that much, but you go in there with the bow shield T nine where you're, you know, you're, uh, obviously all the joints are
3: on your, on your trailer. It's, it's great to do it on, you know, where the you're, slide you know, Yeah, your slide, yeah, all that, Um, and even your leaf springs. I mean, a lot just sitting there, they'll get creaky and stuff like that. And it does a good job of just all over your your trailer where you can lubricate it and protect it. So
0: now, I've heard this from from yourself and and others. You know, why Bowshield T nine. You know, people have asked me. You know, you can go to so many different stores and get so many different lubricants. The thing that I go back to, and I'm gonna, we have the expert here, so I'm gonna ask you. It doesn't feel waxy, and 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 it's just one of those lubricants that truly it's in the name like Boeing as in the uh, aircraft manufacturers uh, are the ones that came up with it. So it's at a very, very high level of, of lubricant. I don't know what it is. Explain to us why it doesn't have that, that real waxy feeling and why it's, it's there, there is a difference with bow shield T9. I, I, I just swear by it, but let's have you tell us.
3: Um, originates from Boeing, uh, Boeing aviation. Um, and it's been on the market for 40 years. It, it, it truly is an excellent product. You can still touch it because it doesn't release on your clothes or, you know, it's not messy. Um, and that's where I, I think it shines because other stuff, you know, just can make a mess and isn't clear and it gets gumpy, collects dirt. Um, so that's where I think T9 kind of shines is it doesn't collect that dirt and it's versatile clear, um, yeah. you know, once it all dries.
0: So. And you mentioned clumpy, and that and that's the difference with me because I wouldn't do this with other other lubric- lubricants that I've used on my boat. When in doubt, I go ahead and spray it, <laughs> because seriously, <laughs> it doesn't hurt anything. Other lubricants yeah. will hurt. You know, it'll get clumps, it'll get gooey, it'll get. And so, like people have asked me, okay, where do you where do you lubricate on your boat? And I and I know it sounds rudimentary. You just gave us some examples of where to lubricate, but I'm like, when in doubt, just spray it. It won't hurt with this stuff.
3: No, absolutely, yeah. It. It's safe on all paints, uh, plastics. Um, you know, you can spray it on all your electrical connections. It truly is. It's it's safe to spray on uh, just about anything. If if you think something is gonna rust, spray it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, you're so. absolutely right. Uh, that's Matt De Cockman. I'm really glad you you came in. Uh, what what else would we say? Because I know you guys in the Gulf Coast area, where most of our listeners uh, are. It's a relatively new uh, market, not new. I mean, you guys have been down here. You're at West Marine, Bass Pro Shops, Camping World, and all that. But it's like word is just starting to spread on, on you guys. What else should they know uh, with Bow Shield T nine? Because uh, all three of us use
3: it. T nine, you know, w- you can use it on on your boat, but there's also a lot of uses. You know, you th- you know, we're we're definitely in the RV market. We're, uh, we're in the bicycle market, um, chains. Uh, we're in a lot of different markets. It can be used across the board. You know, another thing you know you mentioned is your fishing reels and all that. It does an excellent job across the board, and and there's more than just using it on your boat, which is a pretty cool thing.
0: Very good, uh, Matt. I'm glad we finally got you on because uh, fishermen can be very particular about the products they use, and they're very loyal uh, once they they do find a product. And 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 I'm a perfect example of that. Uh, with when once I stumbled across uh, bow shield T9 about a year and a half ago so appreciate it Uh, I know our bite me listeners appreciate it we'll reserve the right to get you on again man
3: hey I appreciate it
0: all right boys Um, I've got a couple of thoughts on this that are very rudimentary compared to you guys so I'm going to start with uh, with Caleb uh, on this the question is very simple not complex would you prefer fishing a ripping tide or a slack tide and why and ripping why tide.
1: and how no ands ifs or butts ripping tide um i mean maybe not uh, at the jetties or something but in the bay in the marsh i want a ripping tide It's pulling if it's going out it's pulling bait out of the grass out of the drains and it's giving a reason fish a reason to stack up in certain areas if it's if it's coming in it's pushing fish into the marsh into the drains may up on a sand flat it's it's the the tide is giving me an idea of where fish would be sitting at to eat.
3: Mm-hmm. A slack
1: tide, I'd, I I'd rather watch the Aggies play Appalachian State. <laughs> <laughs> I, he wasn't talking about like
0: no tide. He was just saying like a less of a tide. I think is what he meant. Oh, a weak tide. I don't. If it's moving, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, it, I think he used. Move, if, I think he slack, you know, a little bit loosely there. I think he meant like a real ripping tide or one that's a little slower.
1: Uh, a little slower. I'd have a, a, probably a little slower over a ripping unless I'm fishing bait that's coming out of out of a grass flat, mm-hmm. uh, like a like a like above water grass flat where the water's been up in the grass and it's sucking shrimp and stuff out. Um, other than that, I, did, I want it moving. And if I could have my choice, I, I always want it going out. I like it going out way more than I like it. Um, I feel like I should stop here. I like I like I like, uh, <laughs> I, like uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. I don't like incoming tides as much as outgoing tides. Scott, it's tides.
2: easier to fish a weaker tide. It depends on where you're at. I mean, if, if you, I'm at the jetties, I don't want that ripping tide. Right. I and mean, the fish kind of disappear. I think the what happens really is the bait fish go into the rocks on a ripping tide, and it kind of shuts things down. And the game fish, you know, they're having to fight a ripping tide, so they're they're spending a lot more energy. Leading up to that ripping tide, great. Right after that ripping tide, great. Usually, when it starts ripping like that, if I, if I've got fish that have been on the jetties, I'll take off and go on the beachfront, mm-hmm. and it depends if it's if it's outgoing, I'll go off the end of the jetties, and sometimes you can pick up kingfish, jacks, stuff like that off the end of there. If it's coming in hard, that's when that that area that all the boats park on, yeah. that's when it it kicks off. Uh, on the rocks themselves, I want it to be just a moderate tide, yeah. You know, if it's too slow, then the bait fish just spread out. They go all over the place. If there's just this on my trolling motor, when I put spotlight on, if mm-hmm. it's sitting and it's running about four five, six, that's perfect. Yeah. That's how I judge how fast the tide's moving. If I look down and that thing's on 10, I may as well move. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go on somewhere else. In the bays, just like Caleb said, I want an outgoing tide. Uh, growing up, everybody talked about fishing the incoming. Incoming to me. Kind of scattered the fish a little more uh you know they spread out a little bit more outgoing they as it's getting towards the low tide they're going to be in specific spots and you can kind of figure them out a little better and there's also the the you know and we've talked about this caleb a few times
0: about uh the the actual intercoastal and the channel when it's a real ripping tide i'm generally looking for where it's hard to fish in the bay and you know where i fish um i'm looking for like some sort of eddy or or, or something kind of off that if the water is clear and the water is good enough um you can find where the bait you talked about it where the bait is really sort of just dumping uh right i mean especially if you can find that little eddy where there's a little protection
1: yeah and 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 it's it's doing like what scott's talking about it's the the bait and everything is getting somewhere that it didn't so much work to to keep up with the current and um uh, the probably the one the one time that doesn't hold true is those first good t- couple of, uh, dumps that we'll get later in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then you can, then you can get in front of drains and, and fish a, a more aggressive tidal movement. But again, it's just bringing so much stinking food to them that, that they're going to fight that current. It's, it's the, it's the usual rule of thumb that if, if the fish can take more calories than he's burning, then he'll be there. If he's going to burn more calories than he can eat, he's probably not going to be there. It's so funny,
0: Scott, that you're talking about with your with your trolling motor. I'm usually looking at at what a crab trap is doing and how big the ripples are. And, and you know what I'm saying? Like like if it's really ripping and you can see like practically, you know, white caps coming off of that, uh, uh, that that top of that crab trap. I'm like, oh, baby, we got to find somewhere where it's maybe not uh, blowing so hard, but there are all kinds of little tails that you can find on the water
2: yeah I look at all the buoys, mm-hmm. uh, the ship channel buoys as I'm going out before I ever put the trolling motor down, and I've got a real good idea of what that tide's doing before I even stop. Um, but as throughout the day it it comes and goes it It's never just a steady mm-hmm. you know an incoming tide is not always this speed. You know it, it it has it picks up and it it drops off and picks up and drops off as yeah. it, as it continues to come in. Uh, depends a lot on the wind you know how much wind you've got going if it's going with it or against it that'll that'll change the tide as well uh so i'm it's what we do and we don't even really think about it yeah you know, when you ask that question it's like well I, you know yeah, <laughs> i had to think like about a... it for a minute because it's just instinct it mm-hmm. it you know we're doing the same thing the fish are doing you know we're we're hunting for that that spot where the bait fish are going to stack up yeah and by by Years and years and years of just doing it, you just almost instinctually know where you where you need to go when you see that water ripping around a pole in the in the harbor. Yeah, yeah, you see that, and you you already start making your plan. And for the newcomers out there, this our tide sheets are not exact. No, <laughs> they suck.
0: They're, they're, they suck. You know, this far, you got to learn your the, bay. You got to know yeah. where what the tides mean on the from the chart and your apps. To your particular bay,
2: well, that and the wind. Uh, wind yeah. just is so 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 critical around us, especially when there's a lot of wind. Uh, if the wind's blowing hard and southeast, that outgoing tide's going to just be almost nothing. Uh, it'll it'll shut it down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It, it'll accelerate that incoming tide though. So you kind of got you got to put all the pieces together, and then. And even then, looking at everything, I got surprised the other day going out. I I was thinking, okay, well, it should be outgoing tide by now. And heading out, I get over there to, as I'm hitting the first buoys of the jetties. Man, it was ripping in. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why. It was an hour late, uh, according to the tide charts, and the wind wasn't blowing that hard. But So you always got to look. You, know, you, you can't just go off of all of the – it's great that we have all that on our phone, but nothing beats being there and looking at it.
0: Right, right. No, no question about it. All right. Um, I got to read this boat ramp confessional uh, before we get to uh, what would Scott do and what would Caleb do. But I do want to tell uh, a, a story uh, real quick because uh, I was out and uh, I was actually I was actually uh, wade fishing by myself, which I don't like to do, as you guys know. Um, but I texted a buddy of mine and said, Hey, I, this is where I am this is where I'm weight fishing. If you hear from me, you know, come get me or whatever. Um, and so a list, this happens all the time. I know this happened to you guys, a listener, like just kind of started puttering behind me and, uh, puttering and, and, and I could tell he was like, you know, is that, you know, John or whatever. And so I kind of waved him over and, and he started, uh, fishing with me. Uh, well, he, he was in his boat, but he started chatting with me. And so I'm waiting. I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. We're good, you know. And uh, and so he looked at my boat, and he goes, "Man, that is a sweet. That's a sweet boat." I said, "It really is the best boat I've ever had." I, you know, I got that that uh, Freedom Warrior. Um, and then he's like, "I love when they know everything that we talk about on here, Scott." He goes, "So Scott's getting closer to getting that general, huh?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, he is." and uh and you are i i i guess uh you you heard about this uh it's it's getting test driven now and i think you're going to be the next one uh to be uh test driving that sucker
2: yeah the snake bike kind of set me back a little bit but uh <laughs> yeah they they got the boat out and uh i think jt was the one running it but he got it up to 60 if yep. I'm not mistaken with yep. a, you know that's with 350 on it and keeping it under six thousand horsepower uh, six thousand rpm because you know they it's still a brand new motor you don't want to yeah open it up wide open just yet uh so that that bodes well for the tournament guys that, that are looking for something you know a new tournament boat yeah and for, no, it, 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 for me I'm I'm, I'm I'm not about the speed i'm you know i'm gonna go with a, probably a 300 and right just you know i want i want the fuel economy more than the uh, speed for what i do
0: yeah. No, I, and, and I know you're not, but it's good to know, uh, that you, you know, if you have it, you know, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's there. In case it's you good need to it. know that you have it. And then, and then he was saying, and he was looking at me and we we're chatting a really good dude. And I wish I could remember his name. Uh, and he was saying, so I'm guessing that's the Wade Wright belt you have on. I said, yep. And this is the knock and tail lure. And I showed him, on the, <laughs> I was like, we're not lying to you. We, this is what we use. I, I think I had that, uh, that plum ice on there and I had my Wade Wright belt and, uh so it, it was kind of cool uh, just chatting
1: it up with another listener on the water which has uh, happened quite a bit um, you need to you need to keep a little jar of og sauce to dip your lure in and complete the package
0: oh a little scent little og
1: sauce mm-hmm. scent this is procured nope og sauce i
0: just got uh i just got a new shipment i got a new pallet i think it's about 1100 bottles and i'm uh, actually uh speaking of freedom boats you know the uh, jake uh, over at the boatyard said he needs me to bring him some more that couple of our friends and listeners bought some over at anglers anonymous i just took them some so i appreciate everybody buying that that's that's my gas money uh you know it, we're not making a killing but it's pretty cool that my little homemade recipe is taken off it's taken off off it's really good and yes. oh by the way uh boat ramp confessional but i mentioned knock tail and wade right have to remember you know our listeners because they they like to use the stuff that we use uh and they like good deals bite me 20 bite me two zero You can use that at mycoastoutdoors.com to get the knock and tail lures. I like the plum ice and I think it's called white lightning. Those are my two favorites. Um, And also at coastalfishinggear.com for the Wade Wright belt, bite me 20, bite me two zero. You get the 20% discount on both of those. They got some new retailers coming on as well. So I got to read this before we get to what Scott, what would Scott do? What would Caleb just, just to get your reaction because if I had a nickel for how many times I've done this on the water, And for like a split second, I know immediately what it is, but for like a split second, I go, I I panic a little bit. Uh, So the listener said he was in West End Galveston, woke up, uh, everything's good, got his coffee, uh, had everything, breakfast, lowered the boat in the water, and it was dead. Like D-E-D, dead. Charged the batteries for an hour, still dead. Went and bought new batteries installed the batteries so he could go fishing still dead check the kill switch check the key check the wires on the battery still dead three hours later he happened to notice that the throttle was just a little bit forward so it was in gear and nothing would happen (laughs) i wanted to just get y'all's react i as much as i I turn that key and and i know immediately oh it must be you know not neutral but for a split second i'm always like Oh crap! What did I do? with It's dead. What's gonna happen? I'm gonna be stuck out here for days. I'm gonna be like like Gilligan's Island. Never fails.
2: Having grown up with boats for so long, and older boats were worse about it. Uh, it it didn't take much. I mean, and even if you've had it in neutral, you still had to wiggle it. Yeah, sometimes. I'm, well, my first so boat was like that. To this day, every time I start the boat, I wiggle the I wiggle the throttle. I mean, I still do it. I mean, it, these newer boats, it's it's very rare that it's pushed out just a, a little bit. But I've had some boats over the past that <laughs> you had to get it just right, man. I mean, it, it had to be exactly in the right spot. And you could just wiggle it a little bit and then hit it again, wiggle it, hit it again, then it would start. So uh, it, It's become just a... You know, one of those habits for me. So, yeah, you know, I would have, I would have recognized that one really quick.
0: <laughs> oh, I recognize it. But immediately, Caleb, there's that little brief panic.
1: Last, last week, I was in East Bay out of Venice, Louisiana. And Scott will tell you, East Bay is the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I was almost to the Chandelier Islands. I'd, I didn't realize this, but Chandelier Island chain used to be like an 80 mile ch- uh, island chain, it went all the way around. And so there's still little islands left all through there, and I'm hopping around looking yeah. for redfish, and uh, we stopped. Man, there was probably 500 tarpon everywhere, and so I stopped to play with those things. And there's a whole new story. There's a whole story in that, and uh, well, hell, I'll tell it. Uh, tell it. I got my I got my guy down on the floor of the boat, and in my vast knowledge of tarpon that I've learned listening to this, Scott, you need a long leader. So I tell him put about a six foot leader on there, and the fellow with me, he's not much for deep water redfishing so he he just hasn't been out and done this very much Mm -hmm. and so he ties this leader on he ties the lure on and i'm up on top of the boat i'm up on the on the on my burn bar and i've said two or three times there's a bunch of jacks under the boat and he didn't understand the severity of what i was trying to say apparently and so he ties his lure on and his rod and reel are laying across his lap
0: oh no and
1: he he takes the lure and he he gets done tying it and does what you do in the bay where you just throw it over the side oh, of the boat. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> that sucker
1: had hit the water about two seconds and poof, rod, reel, everything, gone. I was like, I told you there was Jackson on the boat. <laughs> but there a little bit later, uh, you know, again, East Bay is the Gulf of Mexico. And I go to start the boat and leave and I'm I'm dead in the water. Nothing. And... My electronics are working, but I can't start the motor. So I get down, I turn off my perco, turn it back on, reset everything. Get up there. Nothing. Check neutral, nothing. And I'm starting to freak out at this point. And Steve had unplugged my kill switch.
0: Oh, so, I've
1: done that too. Cause the mercury kill switch looks like a light switch. Yeah. It's got a little loop in it and he had unplugged it. So that, that was, that was five or 10 minutes of me freaking out. And before I figured that out, so, and that's happened way Steve. more than it's happened it way more on Steve. Than once. Blame it it on Steve. Steve. Can't defend it, Steve. himself.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I tell you what I love boat ramp confessionals like that one because it just it triggered memories of things that like we have all done kill switch done that you know <laughs> the the neutral thing done that uh and I haven't lost a rod but uh but I know people who have uh, with that that exact same as soon as you started telling the story I was like oh no
1: yeah
0: <laughs> that that rod is gone or <laughs> I lost one to a
2: tarpon like that in the brazos river you did Nope. <laughs> all right. Well, what would Scott do? All damn day and couldn't get Never a bite. Found it. Couldn't get a bite yeah. all day, and I'm running the trolling motor. I'm, I saw some tarpon roll up, so I, I'm spinning the trolling motor around, and I'm just—I've got it, my rod in one hand, I've got the remote in the other hand, and the lure is just like two inches under the water as I'm making the turn, and a tarpon grabbed it and flipped the rod right out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> the only bite I got all day. Well.
1: Let's get some more bites for our listeners. I I wish I could, I wish I could catch tarpon on accident.
0: Yeah. I I wish I could catch tarpon period accident, whatever.
2: Uh, what would Scott do? What you got this weekend? Uh, this weekend I will be in Houston this weekend. It's, uh, the class reunion for the fighting Trojans of South Houston high school. How about that? So I will be there for uh, Friday and Saturday, so I won't be fishing, but, uh, Looking at it, I don't know that I'm going to be missing much down here. It's showing, well, damn weather, man. Who knows? 50%, uh, 60%, 70% chance of rain Thursday, Friday, Saturday down here. Um, winds don't look terrible. They don't look like beachfront winds. So, yeah. southeast, and it's going to be scattered showers from what I can see. Uh, if you can get out there on the bay and avoid you – know, these, these little showers we've had here lately that have been popping up around my house are full of lightning, just – Oh yeah, that. I mean they're they are cracking. Uh, so if you can get out there and fish around some of these little storms, that can turn the fish on pretty good. Uh, I would be looking for uh, birds working. Yeah, it's that time. It's uh, opening weekend for the south zone of dove season. That always means to me that the the uh, shrimp are going to be moving around, and that's going to put the put seagulls out there and put the little school trout up underneath them. So you can go do that. You can go play with the redfish back in into marshes. The shrimp are starting to move out of there. Uh, I think I would probably avoid the beachfront. Yeah, yeah. They're showing two to threes at five seconds. Yeah. What the forecast is for right now, it could change. But I think I'd avoid that for right now.
1: Caleb, yeah. sounds like it's kind
2: of a dealer's choice up and down the coast, huh?
1: Get there Friday. Get there Friday. Friday? Get there Friday. Saturday, Saturday doesn't look any fun at all. All right. Um, yeah, man, I I I think that you can. I think you can just go wade grass lines, cruise grass lines, do whatever you want there, and and find some fish. I don't. I think the surf's going to be beat up a little bit by the time it gets to to that point in the mm-hmm. week. Uh, but again, there's small stuff starting to hatch, and find you an outgoing tide and and roll some grass. That's that's what I that's what I would do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm actually going to take the skiff out Saturday morning and go. All right. Go go roll some grass lines. All right. Well,
0: good deal. Uh, it must be about that time because uh, Gibson finally came around my desk and uh, started uh, licking my leg as if like, hey, that's about an hour uh, time for you to take me outside. He knows. I, I swear to God, he knows how long we, we-, we do this podcast. He, li- he hears the voices. And then once it's about an hour, he's like, all right, let's go wrap it up. So we're going to wrap it up. You guys have a great. Go ahead. That's our producer. That's our producer. <laughs> when Gibson says it's time, that means it's time. Um, you guys uh, have a great weekend. Uh, uh, have fun at your uh, reunion there, Scott. Caleb, I know you're excited uh, about getting that skiff out. I'm going to be doing uh, finally uh, some fishing, uh, done with the house hunting. She can do the rest on her own. Uh, and uh, you guys catch them up, and we will talk to you next time.